right? They believe in Jesus those ways. But here he says, those who believe in me as the scriptures have said, right? There's a difference. Is there a difference? Have you ever met a Bible-believing believer and just a believer? There's a difference, isn't there? There's some very spiritual people who are believers. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I believe in, in, in crystals. I believe in angels. I believe in good karma. You know, they believe in stuff. But Jesus said this, he who believes in me, as the scripture said, there's a difference. There's a difference. And he said, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Wait a minute. You said you're thirsty, come to you. And now you said, if you come to me, you know, if I believe in you, as the scripture said, out of my heart will flow rivers of living water. But I'm thirsty down here. So I'm coming for something from out there, but you're saying that there's something on the inside here that will quench my thirst. Now, what Jesus is not saying is everybody, you just got the goodness on the inside of you and you just tap into that inner you, you know, that, that, that true you, tap into your own truth, your, your own goodness, and you, you do that right there and, and you'll be satisfied. You know, you, you do you. It's not what he's saying right here. He's actually, if you read it, it says, but this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Jesus had not yet gone to the cross, buried, resurrected, ascended to heaven. That's what he's saying. So, but Jesus is, is, is telling people, if you are thirsty and you come to me, I'm going to give something to you that's going to be on the inside of you, so that you won't have to be looking outside of you for satisfaction, fulfillment, and life anymore. And what he's referring to here isn't just an inner peace and a joy, but he's referring to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who at this point had not yet been given. When you continue to read in the Bible in Acts chapter 2, he is given. But he said the Spirit had not yet been given. But when you do receive the Spirit, you won't have to look elsewhere to be satisfied. You don't have to look to that guy or that girl. You don't have to look to that job to make you happy or the boat or the motorcycle or the new hair or whatever it is, right? You, James is like, right, you don't need no hair, right? You don't need no hair. So there's a story in John chapter 4 where I asked you to turn uh, where Jesus has this conversation with a, this woman, and she was a Samaritan woman. And Jesus was on his way, passing through, but he had to go through Samaria, not because it was necessarily the routes to go, but there's something on the inside of him telling him, you got to go through Samaria. So he does. And, and verse 5, it says, he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground where Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. Now, it's about noon. It's about noon, and then this woman comes out to draw water. What they'd say is the custom of the day, though, they don't come out to draw water at noon. The women would come out, and why is it the women? I don't know. Uh, you know, why can't the guys carry the bottles? Well, maybe, or the jugs. I, I, I don't know why they do it. <laughs> because they were lazy, because they were working, because they're tending sheep, because they're sleeping in. I don't know. But the women, the women did it. Um, but they would go out in the morning to get water for the household and for the day. So all the women would come out. But this woman didn't come out with the other women. Why did this woman not come out with the other women? 
probably because this woman was shamed and ashamed. This woman had lived a little bit different uh, experience than the others. And by the way, not a different lifestyle. Uh, sometimes when you read the story, you'll see that this lady is cast in the light of somebody who happens to move around a lot, if you know what I mean. Well, let's read a little bit, and we'll find out that's not really the case. Uh, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. So he starts to just jump into this conversation because he knows, okay, this is why I'm here for this woman right here. And so he starts to really turn this around to a spiritual conversation based on something very practical, water. And then, I mean, he's noticing, woman, you're here like at a time when women don't come to draw water. He sees all these things. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Because this sounds like a really good offer, right? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him. Everybody say that become in him, say that again, become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus, Jesus pauses right here, and he says this. He says, if you're going to keep coming back to this water, a very practical illustration of trying to get something that maybe you feel you need in life to satisfy you, you're going to keep coming back. Keep coming back. Well, she's still thinking regular water, but he's really using that as a metaphor, right? He, uh, maybe you English teachers can tell me, is it a metaphor? Is it an analogy? Is it um, a simile? Is it a, a haiku? I don't know, but English wasn't my strong point. Still isn't. Um, but nevertheless, he says, whoever drinks this water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus says the same thing he does later on in John chapter 7 about this well. Not just a well, though, where water you draw on, but he uses this Greek word for fountain. It's, it's PG or PG, and it's a source or a supply of something like, like that uh, springs up. It's something that springs up. So it's not just, you know, you have a well down there, unless it's an artesian well. But if you have a well, you have to draw water out of that. The artesian well is pushing up. And he's, he's really saying, this is like that. It's, it's like a well that is pushing up on the inside of you. It's pushing up. If you come to me, I'm going to give you a water that will become in you a fountain. So I'm not going to simply 
pour into you and then pour into you and pour into you. But I'm going to put something on the inside of you that if you will recognize that it's there and you will take advantage of it, it will be a fountain on the inside that will continually satisfy you. It'll continually spring up into everlasting life here. That word life is zoe. It's that condition of living or a state of being alive healthiness, happiness, exuberance, energy, vitality, and the like. That's what he's saying he's put on the inside of us as believers. He said, you're not going to just always be desperate and, and, and dry and famished and coming to me and please, Jesus, can I get another drink? It's like when you go to the uh, Chick-fil-A, for example, and you eat some of those Christian chickens, and then you get a drink, and they will fill up your drink, and you drink it, and then when you need more, you have to go to them, and you say, could I have some more, please? And they say, yes, or sometimes they'll even ask you. They'll do that. Yes, I'll fill it up. But, but the difference here is, is that's not how Jesus does it. He will, he will not only give you the cup, but he takes that fountain, and he says, not only do you have access to it, but I'm going to put it on the inside of you. You're not going to have to keep coming back to me. Oh, Jesus, fill me up. Jesus, fill me up. He says, I've already put the fountain inside of you. You have access to it. There's unlimited refills. You can continually be filled up on the inside, not by looking to something outside and not even having to go and say, oh, Jesus, you do it because he's saying, I've already did it. I've already done it, right? And so this is important too, by the way, uh, believing God at his word, what he said, that's faith. Not believing what he said he's already done and asking him to do it, that's kind of unbelief. So if we're continually going to God, fill me up, fill me up, when he said, I filled, I filled you up, I filled you up, I filled you up, oh no, fill me up, well, you're not believing my word. And so it's the little things like this that we can, we can miss and we can go around and we're half empty right? We, and because God is gracious, and, and, and this is what I believe. I think he's so gracious, like, I, I'll fill you up, but, but I've given it to you. You know, sometimes you go to one of those restaurants, those real fancy ones that have the fountains outside, not, not fancy, maybe Taco Bell, and you go to Taco Bell, and uh, you go fill your own drink up. Now, if you go up to the counter and say, hey, could I have some more, more what did they do, Coke or Pepsi over there? Pepsi, can I have some more Pepsi? And uh, they're like, yeah, the fountain's right over there. Oh, yeah, but can you fill it up? Yeah, the fountain's right over there. Oh, but I'd really like you to fill it up. They might be nice and say, okay, I'll fill it up for you, but let me show you how it works, right? And, 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 and God is, is even more gracious than that, isn't he? He's more gracious. Nevertheless, he's put something on the inside of you, someone on the inside of you, that is like a fountain that'll cause you to never go dry. So, so often as Christians, we still end up looking for satisfaction outside. Now, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't look for or have any of those things. It's not that those things are the problem. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. I don't know. But the problem is you're not satisfied on the inside. And you're not satisfied because you don't recognize that you have the fountain on the inside. And so the spigot is turned off. The spigot's turned off. You're not even accessing it. And Jesus is saying to this woman here, this fountain that's on the inside of you will overflow. It'll spring up into everlasting life. Um, let me read some more of this story to you. Let me read more of this story, because I, I want to I finish what I was saying about this woman's background, and then 
wanted to show you an example that Jesus gave uh, to her as well. Okay, so he says this. He says, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I give him will become. So Jesus pours out into us, and that becomes something in us. Becomes in us a fountain of water springing up in everlasting life. So this woman is pretty smart. She says, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. Jesus says to her, go call your, your husband and come here. Go call your husband and come here. Jesus is messing with her right now. That's what he's doing. He's asking that question that he knows the answer to, so to speak. He's saying that thing to set her up. That's what he's doing. Um, and the woman answers and said to him, and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband, and that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, sir... I perceive you're a prophet. <laughs> Here's why I say that, that um, sometimes she gets a bad, uh, uh, she gets mischaracterized because she's had five husbands and the one she's with is not her husband. And maybe in our day and age, we think where divorce is cheap and easy and, you know, ah, I didn't, that didn't work out. Oh, I don't want that. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. You know, we might read that through the light of, of our culture today. That's not their culture. There's no way this woman is going from man to man and marrying him and dropping him and marrying him and dropping him and marrying him and dropping him. That's not the thing at all. This woman, for her to have gone from husband to husband, that means that her husband said, uh, I am not pleased with you. I am a shit, you know, and he, he heaped shame on her by divorcing her. And so for whatever reason, maybe she was barren, and she couldn't have children, and so she would be rejected time after time, and maybe this one will love me, maybe now I can have a a child, and and I'll make him happy, maybe I'll become fulfilled as a a woman or as a mom, and and the hopes and dreams are up, and then next thing you know, they're dashed when he rejects her, when he kicks her out. That's what's happening, and it happens time and time again, so now she's not even willing to risk the marriage and getting herself into that situation, and she's just with this guy, and who knows how he's taken advantage of her, and you can imagine this is why she's coming to the well at noon when none of the other women are there because her head is down low, and she's ashamed, and this woman is broken, and he's really not talking about water and her thirst for water, but he's talking about, hey, you're, you're missing something on the inside, and you're never going to find it. You're never going to find it here. You're only going to find it with Jesus. And he says, I'm going to give this to you. I want to do this for you. And what's really interesting, she says, sir, I want some of this water, right? She said that, sir, give me some of this water. You know what Jesus did? He gave her a drink. He gave her a drink. What do I mean by that? The spirit on the inside of you gives you life. It'll well up on the inside of you to everlasting life, he said. But what happens when you have that cup that is getting fuller and fuller and fuller and suddenly starts to overflow? Well, it spills out and it gets on others. That's what happened right here. Jesus had a fountain on the inside of him. Was Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit? Absolutely he was. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. We read that in Luke chapter um, 3, 4. 
right around there where it says Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he began to minister in power. And that's what's happening right here is the Holy Spirit is overflowing in his life, this spirit, this life to where it's getting others wet. It's getting on others, and it's starting to refresh them. What came out of his mouth? What came out of his mouth was a word of knowledge that was given to him by the Holy Spirit. And so she got a little taste of that water. She got a little taste of the life of the Spirit that was on the inside of Jesus. So this is what I really want to talk to you about um, today and, then, and next time as well, is uh, the fountain within. I want to talk to you about the fountain within. Jesus said this, again, I want to, I want to repeat it over and over, the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. There's two pieces to this that I want to talk about. The first thing is begin drawing water from the fountain. We've got to begin drawing water from the fountain. And the second thing is, is what I'll get to next time, is you've got to let the fountain overflow to quench the thirst of others. So first of all, you've got to let the fountain uh, build up to, to... You've got to begin drawing water from that fountain to quench your own thirst. When you read in the scripture about, uh, about what just happened, when you read this story, you see there's example after example of ex- after example of things like this happening throughout the scripture. Uh, when people are filled with the Holy Spirit, something starts to come out of them. And this is what I want to talk to you about. How do you draw on that fountain? How do you draw on that fountain? Proverbs 18, through 18 verse 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Life is in the power of your tongue. You want to be satisfied in life? God is telling us there is a connection between your tongue and that fountain on the inside. And if you want to draw on that fountain, you start to use your words. You start to use your mouth. Now, some of you are looking at me and you're thinking, I don't believe you, Pastor Daniel. Show me in the word. Okay, get your pen and paper out. I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures. We're going to read through them. And I won't talk about all of them, but let's start here with Luke chapter 1, verse 39. It says, Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to the city of Judah. This is Jesus' mama. And entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Zacharias and Elizabeth are John the Baptist's mom and dad. Elizabeth is married to Zacharias, and she is pregnant with John at this point. Mary just found out she's pregnant. Verse 41, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke. By the way, catch those words, underline them, filled with the Holy Spirit, then spoke, okay? Then she spoke out loud with a, with a, spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Immediately when she is filled with the Holy Spirit here, she begins to speak, and she speaks out blessing. She speaks out life. She starts to release prophetic word even over Mary right here. You see this start off in Luke chapter 1, but that's not where it stops. Chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 67 says, now his father, John's father, Zacharias, he was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, 
filled with the Holy Spirit, and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his, let me change my page, is, in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began. John, or Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit, and then he spoke, and he began to prophesy. What's happening? The fountain within is released, and it comes all the way up from down in here somewhere, all the way out through here. He starts to release and draw on that, uh, that fountain. Acts chapter 2, verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and did what? And began to speak, right? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, by, by the way, I, th- I think sometimes when we read that passage, we read it like, okay, they were there, and then they were filled with the Spirit, and everyone just started, blah, 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 blah you know, and speaking in tongues, and just uncontrollably. And I, I don't think that's, I, I doubt that's how it happened, because that's not how it happens. You get filled with the Spirit, and you know what happens? You speak. You don't get filled with the Spirit, and the Spirit starts speaking and wagging your tongue and mouth like this, and you just can't control it. That's the caricature that people have of Pentecostal people, and it's not true. And that's what keeps some people from ever stepping out and speaking in tongues or even believing that this still happens is because the caricature they have in their mind of, you know, you're just going to be babbling around. But these guys were filled with the Holy Spirit, and I think that they are sitting there, they're already praying, and then all of a sudden, I sent some words on the inside, and they start to speak these things out. And then they also magnified God. They were blessed, praising the Lord. It wasn't that the Spirit just made them start shouting out weird praises to God, but they began to pray and prophesy and bless the Lord. Why? Because they were filled with the Spirit. And so as a spirit-filled people, they were praying in tongues, and they were praying and speaking out blessing and magnifying God, and they were doing it willfully, meaning this, the spirit's on the inside, but they spoke it out. They chose to speak. It's not where it stops, though. Acts chapter 4, verse 8 through 9, then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, what happens when he's filled with the Holy Spirit? He begins to speak, and he says, rulers and people of el- and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he's been made well? And then he goes on, and he's speaking boldly words of faith, prophetic words right here. And, and why is he doing that? He's drawing on the well of the Holy Spirit, that fountain of the Holy Spirit on the inside of him. In Acts 4.31, when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. They were filled with the Holy Spirit, and then you know what they began to do? Speak the word of God with boldness. It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit came on them and made them start speaking. The Holy Spirit doesn't come on you and make you start doing things. It's not the Holy Spirit's fault that you went and said something nice, right? Just like it's not the devil's fault that you went and cussed somebody out. You have this connection right here to be able to say, I'm going to open my mouth or keep it closed, right? It's nobody else's responsibility. And, and God won't make you say the right thing, just like the devil can't make you do the wrong thing. But when you have the fountain of life on the inside, life's going to come out, right? Life's going to come out. So Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 40, 46, when P- 
Peter, while Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How did they know that the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out on the Gentiles? Verse 46, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. When did they do that? After they were filled with the Holy Spirit. After they were filled with the Spirit. They became uh, a Spirit-filled church. They, they weren't even a church before. It was a gathering of people who really wanted to know more about God. And then the Holy Spirit came, fell on them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they began to speak with tongues. Again, I don't think that it's they just started rambling on. They, I, I don't think the Bible gives that, that real idea. I do think that uh, they probably took time, and as they're praying they realize, I can do this. I have this gift, this grace of tongues that I can pray and speak to God with. I can do this now. And they're magnifying God. They're speaking the praises of God in a way they had never done before. There's something on the inside of them that causes them to give God glory like never before. We should do this, church. We should practice these things. We should practice these things. We should practice them privately and publicly. We, now, these guys were gathered, and they were all speaking uh, the praise to God together. We do that on a regular basis. But you know, it's perfectly appropriate during times of worship and gathering that we would sing out our praise to God and sing in the Spirit and sing in our understanding, to pray in the Spirit and pray in our understanding. And we can do that together in, in times when we gather. We'll talk more about this next week as we, we talk about overflowing with the Spirit. But these are ways that you draw on the fountain within. The Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, and he gives every single person this, this life on the inside that should overflow out of your mouth. <laughs> and that's how, if you feel like you are dissatisfied in life, if you are empty, dry, barren, whatever terms, you know, going through a, a wilderness season, a desert season, a dry season, whatever words we like to, to, to use to describe the season of life, you know, depression, uh, I'm just feeling down, um, begin to draw on the fountain within you. If you're not drawing on the fountain within you, start. Don't think, though, that you're going to overflow with exuberance, life, joy, excitement when you're not doing the things that lead to that, right? Amen. That's good. All right. Let me give you, give you, let me give you one more. That's it. Acts 19, verse 1 through 6. It happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Okay, Paul, the apostle. Paul, the apostle who wrote, like, most of the New Testament. Paul, probably the most educated guy in the New Testament. Paul was a sharp guy. He knew the Bible. He knew God. He got born again. He's filled with the Spirit. He speaks in tongues more than everybody. He said this. He said, and I want everybody to do it. Everybody should do it. I want you to all do it. He, he, he's a Spirit-filled person. He understands doctrine. He understands theology. He understands it very well. He runs into these guys while he's out ministering, and it's like a, a, a group of believers. And he finds out that, oh, here's this group of believers, and he's excited about it, I think. And I think this conversation may have went down one of two ways. I think he just jumps right in to the conversation. Oh, you, you know, like he walks up, hey guys, how are you? Do you know the Messiah? And, uh, and they're, 
either said, yes, we know the Messiah, or we, we're believers somehow. And he's like, great. Have you received the Holy Spirit? Like, I think that Paul might have had about that long of a conversation before he got to this point of, I want to know, have you received the Holy Spirit? Because it's so important that you don't just simply believe in the Messiah, but not receive the Holy Spirit. And, and, and it's possible that he, he's looking at these guys and he's thinking, I want to help them grow. You know, they don't have, they don't have Facebook, but they don't have, you know, internet. They don't have all that stuff to where the knowledge and information just gets out as fast as it happens. And so it's perfectly understandable that these guys could have believed in Jesus at some point, but yet not ever heard anything else about him again. So he says to them, have you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I think the other way it could have went down was he starts talking to these guys and they're supposedly believers or disciples. He's starting to notice, man, they don't, they don't talk like most of the believers I know. They don't act like most of the believers I know. They, like, yeah, there's a sincerity, but there's something missing. Could have been that too. We don't know. We just know he got to the point eventually, right? He's like, did you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? <laughs> Maybe he said it like that, as opposed to, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I don't know. Which one was it? Did you, believe, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Or did you receive? Which one? A, a, this one right here. It's, did you believe? Or did you believe? All right. I don't know. <laughs> the Bible doesn't say you have to make this stuff up as a preacher. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So some of you just read it like, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said, and you don't know. So they said to him, we have not so much as heard where there's a, whether there's the Holy Spirit. Maybe that's how they said it. And he said to them, into what were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And they said, oh, well, John, indeed, he baptized with the baptism of repentance, right? And, and he was saying to people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So I think that these guys, they were baptized into John's baptism, and they probably knew about the Messiah, and, and so they're thinking, all right, we're right on track, we're going to believe, and maybe they saw Jesus at some point, or maybe they heard a little bit of the gospel at some point. We, we don't know how much they heard, but uh, the assumption is this, that if you're going to be a believer, you should all, a believer in Jesus, you should also be filled with the Holy Spirit. And there's also this assumption that you can be a believer and not understand that there is a Holy Spirit that you could be filled with. And so this is why Paul is making sure every believer should be filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and so then he asked them this, and they said, oh, we didn't hear. And he, he told them, verse 5, and when they heard that, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When they heard this, at that point, they said, okay, we're going to get baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they got baptized in water in the name of the Lord Jesus. They'd been baptized in water by John, but now they're being baptized by, in water in the name of Jesus, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's how Jesus said to do it. I don't know exactly what words that, uh, that Paul used here, but by the way, when it says in the name of Jesus, it's not the magic words, it's under the authority of Jesus. And the authority that Jesus gave was the, the instructions he gave was to baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's why I would assume that that's how he baptized, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because that's how Jesus said to do it. And if you do it that way, you're doing it in Jesus' name or in his authority. Um, nevertheless, verse 6, And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, 
and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. So you see a pattern here? The fountain gets installed. All these scriptures I just read to you. The fountain gets installed, something starts to flow. The fountain gets turned on, something starts to flow. What starts to flow? Words, right? People choose to begin to speak words. And whether that's in praise or that's in the spiritual language, spirit-filled believers begin to speak out. In Ephesians 5.18, my last scripture I'm going to give it to you. Ephesians 5.18 says this, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation. By the way, that word dissipation is really interesting. It's, uh, it's like the word we have for salvation, but it has an A in front of it. So it means like opposite of. And so sometimes you'll see it translated debauchery. Sometimes you'll see it uh, di- dissipation. Uh, but another way that you could read it is unsavedness. Unsavedness. I'm, I was looking that word up. It says unsavedness. So don't be drunk with wine in which is unsavedness. <laughs> like it is the opposite of being saved when you're drunk with wine. He's comparing the two and he's saying when you are, when you are drunk with wine and you get, you know, uh, it maybe relieves some stress, some tension, maybe it makes you uh, loosen up, maybe act a certain way that you're not normally acting, but you make some dumb decisions and you can make a fool of yourself and it's going to harm yourself in the long run. And as a number of other things that this would imply, we said that it's, it's a counterfeit. It's a counterfeit. In other words, it's like going to the well to, get to, to quench the thirst, but realizing it will never quench my thirst. Yeah. That's what he's saying with this, but not everybody's struggle is wine. It could be any number of things. It could be shopping. It could, it could be gambling. It, it could be uh, just, you know, whatever is mine and I'm not going to let go of no matter what Jesus tells me. Okay, so it could be any of those things. Do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Can you see how the flow of the sentence goes? Do not be drunk with wine, which is unsavedness, dissipation, but instead be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another. Be filled with the Spirit speaking to one another. You want to be full of life? Speak life. You want to be full of, uh, of joy? Speak words of joy. You want your life to be full of praise? Speak words of praise and speak them out to God. Speak them out to one another. What Paul is saying here, he said, instead of all these other things that you're going to to try to satisfy that deep within, instead of that, be filled with the Spirit by speaking to one another in a certain way, whether that's in the Psalms or the hymns, you know, singing songs, spiritual songs, singing, making melody uh, in your heart to the Lord. All of this has to do with how do you get filled up on the inside? You start to fill up with words, with words. Let's all stand to our feet. This is the first step that we, we practice. So what happens, though, when you keep practicing this? you're going to overflow. You start to overflow, what's going to happen? We'll talk about that next time. We'll talk about that next time. How do you start to release that water? How do you start to release it? Here's your assignment this week. Whether it's personally or with others, you start to, in fact, start privately, like at home in the morning. You get up, get up and go, you know, you go to the shower, hopefully early, 
and um, you begin to speak praise to God. Don't talk about the weather. Oh, bad day. Oh, my back hurts. Oh, this. Don't give God an organ recital. This organ hurts. That organ hurts. <laughs> Don't start telling people about your woes and your problems. All of that is speaking death, and that's just draining you on the inside. You start to go around, I, I, and you speak life. You start praying in the Spirit. You pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit when you drive. Pray in the Spirit when you're doing dishes. Pray in the Spirit when you're about to tell somebody off. You know, you, you, you say, no, I'm going to pray in the Spirit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek praise to God. You might, you might say, I don't know if I can pray in the Spirit. Yeah, you can. If simply, uh, Lord, fill me with your Spirit. I receive your Spirit. I receive your spirit. In fact, let, let's even say that right now. Lord, fill me with your spirit right now, fresh today. Thank you for the fountain within. And now I begin to draw on that fountain. Let's, let's practice for just a minute and, and praise God for just a minute with our own words. Lord, I praise you. This is how I would do it. Lord, I praise you. I love you, God. You're a great God. There's nobody else like you. You're, you're, you're my savior. You've died for me. You gave yourself for me. I, I'm so thankful that I'm loved by you. I'm thankful that I can know you. I'm thankful that you chose me. God, you're a great God. I'm glad to have you on my side. I'm glad that you're for me and not against me. I'm glad to be called a friend of God. Lord, you're my best friend. You're my, my savior. You're my king. You're everything, God. Lord, doesn't matter who comes against me. You're for me. I'm strong in you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And it's simple as that. And then you just, throughout the day, you meditate on how good God is. You start telling him. Sometimes when you don't have the Christian words, like glory, magnify your name, blessed be thy name, O Father God, or whatever, however it sounds like out of, you know, someone who's been reading the Bible for a long time, what would you say to somebody to tell them you really like them, that they're really great? You know, you, you use your words. What's on the inside? God, you're, you're the best. God, you're really, really cool. I don't know. Like, you know, a surfer might sound different than a guy from the inner city. I don't know. It doesn't matter. God's like, oh, I need someone to translate. What does that mean? He doesn't, he doesn't need all that. And then you know what you do? You also have been filled with the Spirit. You just take time to pray in the Spirit. And, and, and uh, we'll talk about this more, but you don't need... You can pray in the Spirit anytime you want, anytime, all, all the time. You can pray in the Spirit. There's ways that Paul gives instruction for how do we operate as a church when we come together, and, and what's appropriate and what's not, and what's the difference between your spiritual language that God gives freely to all of us, and when there is a, a tongue, a gift of a, a tongue that is given to the church for everybody that requires an interpretation. There's a difference between the two of those, and there's an order to how that all flows, but we could come together, or you can do it on your own, and we can pray in the Spirit, and it be perfectly decent and in order. That's something that God's, God has instructed us on. But here's the deal. The devil, he wants to do everything he can to keep your mouth closed. And so he tells people that these gifts aren't for today, or that that's not how it works, or your problems are, are real, and the things you're saying, you're just faking it. You know, he, he wants to get you to say everything opposite or nothing at all, because there's a power that's released through that. There's life that's released. Amen?